0: this week on the Picture Line podcast is a Utah-based active lifestyle and outdoor photographer named Adam Barker. Adam, thank you so much for joining us. Thank you, Jacob. Glad to be here. Thank good, you. Good to have you here. Um, I usually like to start at the beginning when we have a photographer in. Yep. What got you into photography initially? How? Let us let me start with how old were you when you got into photography? You know, I mean,
1: I remember my dad giving me like an old Vivitar point and shoot when I was probably eight or nine, but really photography for me started in in high school kind of so, you know that's that's kind of the extent of my formal training as well as I took a black and white film class in high school yeah. and uh, i remember my my first legit D, well it wouldn't be a DSLR it'd be an SLR yeah, yeah. <laughs> cuz i'm that old sure. um would have been a canon ftb and it was like a boat anchor with a neck strap um you know it was super heavy all manual and um, it was the it, it was a great learning camera, and it wasn't like I, I picked it up and I thought to myself, oh, this is what I'm doing for the rest of my life, mm-hmm. but, but I liked it. I enjoyed it, and then I kind of developed an interest and a passion and a talent over the years, you know?
0: Yeah, and was that sort of just a steady, steady thing, or was there a point where you decided this was going to be it It was really?
1: definitely a steady thing, and then out of college, I was working in public relations in the ski industry, and... Um, you know, I, I'd been traveling a little bit and seeing cool things and, and just kind of like a lot of young 20-year-old kids do. Sure. And I just kind of had a desire to, to share what I was seeing with the world around me. And mm-hmm. and yeah, just kind of, I don't know, just kind of, it, it didn't just happen, but it did just happen, if that mm-hmm. makes sense. Yeah yeah. yeah, yeah,
0: yeah. Well, then maybe talk a little bit about the journey from this point where you decided you wanted to document things around you. To where you are now, which is shooting for Nike and Columbia and you know all these other brands that like, these these big recognizable brands that you're getting to shoot for, um, and different publications as well like USA Today. Like, what as 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 uh, concisely as you can kind of sum up that journey a little bit?
1: Sure, I think you know I mean it could be summed up as as a roller coaster for sure. There's peaks and valleys. You know, one day. You're on top of the world and the next you've gotten a, a billion doors slammed in your face. So so it's a lot of, of perseverance and, and dedication and diligence in your craft. But, you know, it, it really is kind of over the years developing a, a photographic style, developing a brand. I think my background in marketing and PR and understanding the value of a brand uh, helped me, you know, immensely in, in the business of photography because... You know, I, I say this all the time, but clicking the shutter really is kind of the easy part. Mm-hmm. Um, you're, you got to make a living. I, I've got three boys. I've got, you know, a wonderful wife. I got a mortgage that I'm paying. I'm not van vanlifing myself around the world, and, sure. and I'm not this nomadic soul as much as I do travel. But I, I've got obligations, and I've got, and I, that was always my goal was to to make a career out of photography. And so, you know, I think it was it was establishing my photographic roots, which were in landscape photography, understanding light, you know, if we're talking about from a creative standpoint and a technical standpoint, honing my craft, understanding photography, understanding lenses and where I can utilize different lenses for a different look and, and depth of field and wide angle and telephoto and all these things and then understanding backlight and side light and bounce light and front light and all these all these different things that kind of gave me the the technical foundation that would then kind of liberate my other capacities to pursue my creative endeavors. Mm-hmm. So that was it from a a creative standpoint or from a photographic standpoint is really, you know, it's 10,000 hours, right, before you master any, sure, yeah. any any sort of craft and and really putting in the time there and I always say taking a lot of crappy photos to be perfectly <laughs> right, honest I yeah. say that. The only difference between a professional and an amateur is that a professional doesn't show you all those crappy photos <laughs> <laughs> or we just delete them all, and they do right. exist. Yeah. And then from a business standpoint, really kind of um, dialing in who my ideal client was, um, what my brand was, and what I was trying to say as a brand, figuring out who the clients were that could actually support the lifestyle that I wanted to live, um, searching out opportunities not just for bottom line, what's going in my bank account, but networking and portfolio opportunity where i'm shooting is a valuable for my portfolio um who am i shooting who am i meeting that would help further my career and my brand and you know a, a perfect example of that actually is is yance here at picture line has been integral for a number of relationships for for me and then i'd like to think that i've been extremely loyal to the picture line brand over the years i value i, I place huge value on relationships and mm-hmm. i'm a huge buy local and a, a local guy and and I'm very loyal. I'd like to think, and so relationships have have been huge over the years as
0: well. That probably wasn't quite the nutshell answer we were looking <laughs> no, for, no, but, that's but there fine. it is. Yeah, um, I w- I want to talk a little bit more about your commercial work and sort of uh, the genesis of that and the process of that. Um, but I, but first, I want to talk about your style a little bit because sure. you talked about learning lenses and learning lighting and things like that. Mm-hmm. Um, number one. What would you describe your style to be? Oh, man, that's a good question. How would I describe my style? Well,
1: definitely uh, I work with natural light for the most part. I'm, I'm not a strobe guy. Um, I guess I could I could eke it out if I had to on mm-hmm. these shoots, but I work with natural light, whether it's just direct light or using reflector, reflectors or diffusers or whatnot. Um, you know, I'm a photographer's photographer, so I love – very proper composition now I've, I've started to get myself out of that box a little bit but you know rule of thirds um it used to be that i wanted you know that full dynamic range in all of my images detail in the highlights through the shadows I've, I've, as i've branched more into lifestyle photography i've gotten out of that a little bit but you know for the most part very representative um, i don't have i don't stylize um or treat my images to mm. a large extent in post-processing for the most part what you see is what you get I'm a huge grad ND graduated neutral density f- filter user, um, which allows me to capture a very accurate image at the time of capture, so I don't have to rely on the computer. So, you know, if I were to describe my style, it'd be probably traditional um, and, and representative. I don't consider myself super edgy or innovative per se, but I'd like to think I've got a good grasp on what
0: exceptional photography has always been and hopefully continues to be. Mm-hmm. And how did you arrive at that point? How did like, what did it take? Because you, you you talk about the ten thousand hours thing and yeah. and uh, learning all of these things, uh, sort of just familiarity with the craft in general. What was what was it that that brought you to what your style is today?
1: I think you know, there's probably some some substantive stuff, and then probably a lot of just kind of intuitive. It's like, why do some people like tomatoes and why do some people hate them? <laughs> you sure, know, yeah. you kind of figure out what you like. I definitely like bold color. I definitely like, you know, emotive imagery that, that uh, draws the viewer to a particular part of the frame and and makes them feel or think, um, you know, and while that's probably somewhat cliche in, in general, I think there's a way that we all do it. Um, studying other photographers' work absolutely has influenced, um, you know, my work, especially in, in the formative years. You know, I think back then, we weren't as exposed to imagery as as we are now, where we're just—we we see how many billions of images do we see a day, mm-hmm. I swear, you know, through social media and through um, TV and all sorts of screens and this or that. You know, and when I was kind of studying the craft and figuring out my, my path, it was magazines. You know, it was, it was Outdoor Photographer. It was Powder Magazine. It was, you know, these publications that— it, I held them in my hand and dreamt of one day seeing my images published there. And so very affected by, you know, the work that I would see in those publications and, and elsewhere. And and I guess as as most of us do, I would kind of emulate that uh, for a number of years. And then eventually you kind of find your own feet
0: um, and, and kind of start to do things your own way a little bit mm-hmm. as well. Um, you touched on a little bit there in talking about wanting to see your images in these magazines that you read uh, what led you to commercial photography working with with these different brands to represent their kind of identity
1: well i think primarily it was is it was a function of survival right Mm -hmm. it's like if i wanted to make my living in photography commercial photography was kind of the way to go and i don't know that i necessarily anticipated that from the very beginning Actually, I knew commercial photography would be my route, but I didn't necessarily know that it would kind of transition into more of like an active lifestyle and Mm -hmm. outdoor genre as opposed to landscape or scenic or travel. Um, But uh, so it it was definitely a function of this is how I can make a career and support my family. And then also um, I think it's a little bit of chicken or the egg, but I took a look at my photography and what I was best at and thought, okay, who who is best suited to my style you know i would not go and pursue um let's see i'm trying to think of of a brand that i i would not go and pursue um well i'm i'm totally blanking right now but
0: maybe like a high fashion correct you know, correct your... i would
1: not submit my work to vogue right you yeah. know uh, yeah. unless i was to you know, actively seek out a project or produce some work that started leaning that more in that direction,
0: but that'd have to be very intentional for you. Correct, to do. and
1: I never would. You know, mm. so that's a perfect example. Is I, I would never submit my work to Vogue or or reach out to Vogue and and say and hope to get a commissioned job or an assignment because it just it doesn't work. So, you know, I would start shuffling through the pages of magazines and looking at the ads that already existed or look at billboards or, you know, looking at, um, you know, the commercials on TV and, and for, for two reasons. Number one, I was looking at, you know, okay, who's using work. That's, you know, a similar slant to mine. And then also who's advertising because it means that they're spending money, mm-hmm. <laughs> right? Sure. Hopefully yeah. that's what we hope. Anyway.
0: Right. So, um, and that, that, that's actually an interesting question because that's, that's a uh, sort of a, uh conversation happening in in social media and in marketing in general today is the idea of of um paying for you know professional photographers Correct. or using influencers or using just user generated things like that that's something that that you know we kind of come up against a lot here at pictureline um and so my question is um for someone who would be interested in breaking into the the world of working with businesses and and clients and commercial sure. photography um from your own experience, was that something that you started doing, kind of on your own, and then sort of presenting that to a company and saying, "This is what I can do"? Um, did you did you sort of petition them first? Or did they come to you know? What what did that process look like it's for you? It's pretty much it was is and I'm pretty sure it always will be hustle.
1: You know, yeah. like unless you're the. Any Leibovitz of the world, sure. you know? Um And there's a couple. Uh, there's a couple others on that on that level. For the most part, I'd say that you got to be out there hustling because it's a simple product of, of numbers and how many of us there are that exist. I consider myself a, a skilled photographer, but I know that I'm. I drop in the bucket, right? Mm-hmm. There are so many skilled photographers out there, so you got to hustle for that work. Mm-hmm. Um, I'm in year 10 of doing this professionally. I jumped off in 2008, and I always thought that in my 10th year, is what I would consider you know, after 10 years, I think you can probably call yourself a veteran. I thought as a veteran, I'd be hustling less than I was as mm-hmm. a rookie, really? and it's not the case. Now, the dynamics have changed a little bit. I'm hustling for, for better paying work, I'm hustling for you know more legit jobs um but i'm still hustling there's no question and so yeah it was me reaching out i'm i'm constantly updating my portfolio my website could use some love but my instagram you know stays very current mm-hmm. um i'm i attend trade shows i attend you know other events where i have opportunity to interact with new potential clients I'm always handing out business cards. I'm always taking business cards. I'm relentless with emails and phone calls and, and follow-up. And and uh, that's just how it has to be. That's how you have to be. If you're looking to break in, I think you got to be committed to putting in some hard work. Um, and and you got to love it, you mm-hmm. know, uh, because there's going to be days where as much as you love being your own boss and you love waking up and doing your own thing um, – where that spontaneity is exciting, you know, and invigorating. That inconsistency and insecurity can also be super challenging. So you got to be committed to working your butt off and and
0: and still maintaining that passion for the craft as mm-hmm. well. Um, so once you have that first gig, once you've you've put in at least the beginning of the hustle, sure. um, and you've got those those gigs that are coming. I want to talk a little bit about the relationship between your style, your uh, sort of artistic perspective and the expectations of whatever brand you're working with sure um what does that relationship look like for you now how has that changed from when you started what what sort of interplay is there maybe maybe tension maybe balance between um what you consider your style versus what a company is looking for Uh, that's a good question so
1: I mean, if I gather correctly, you're asking me how often am I adjusting what I'm doing to answer the specific needs of the client for exactly. whom I'm shooting. Is yes. that right? Uh, often, you know, but with 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 my slant, if that makes sense, and it and also it also depends on the client. Some clients you do work for, and they're very hands on, and you know, you've got a very specific shot list and a very specific concept and. You know, very specific guidelines in terms of how you should be shooting and the ki- type of space that you need to accommodate for copy or um, logos or end use or whatever it might be. And then other clients are very loose and free and are and are very open to letting you kind of um, have your way a little bit more. But but there's one thing to to remember is they're not hiring you just to boss you around if that makes mm-hmm. sense. They're yeah. hiring you for your creative vision and right. so. It's important to mesh that and meld that with the client. And, and most of the time, they're looking at things from an end-use standpoint. Creatively, they might have something in mind, but they're going to kind of let you run with it creatively, and that's why they've hired you. But it's important as a commercial photographer to understand what the best image or what a great image is for the client. And I think if there's one thing that I've learned over the years as a commercial photographer, it's that just because it's a great image doesn't mean it's a great image for the client. So Mm -hmm. much of the time we're dialed in on, oh, composition and light, and is it sharp, and, you know, oh, she wasn't looking at the camera or her face is just a little bit off or this, that, and the other. And the client is looking at things like, well, you can't see the logo and shoot, uh, the pants look a little bit weird and I can't see as much of that boot and, oh, that's last year's product or we can't show it in this way, shape, or form or we've got – so there's so many other things that they're thinking of. Um, so it's a healthy balance, I would say. It's, the important part is the communication, especially on the front end, understanding what the client needs – um, both from a creative standpoint fr- standpoint, but also from a functionality and a utility standpoint. And if you understand that, then you can kind of insert your vision and still give them a very functional and usable end product, if mm-hmm. that makes sense.
0: And as you've built a portfolio, have you, have you seen your ability to inject your own style into that um, enhance and grow? Or uh, are you still sort of... You know, are they, are they hiring you more for um, you now or are they still trying to? How much I, has that changed, basically?
1: Um, you know, I think the only place it's really changed is for me um, on my end in terms of me being confident in my brand and in my style mm-hmm. and in my vision. Um, whereas early on, you might be a little bit less secure and less confident in what you're bringing to the table, which is natural. You know, if you've only been in the business for a year or two or three You know, I don't know how comfortable you are at times being very authoritative with what you really want to do. And I've learned over the years that clients want that from you. You know, they want to see somebody in charge. They want to see somebody that's directing traffic, that's overcoming obstacles. They want to see somebody that's grabbing that bull of a job by the horns and getting it done. Mm -hmm. And really, that's where a professional photographer really separates themselves from an amateur is especially with iPhones and and, you know, point-and-shoot cameras and auto on DSLRs, it has never been easier to shoot mm-hmm. a pretty good image. And it, and it when the light is good, it's never been easier to shoot an awesome image, right? But how often do we go out and get commissioned and hired for these jobs when conditions just suck? Mm-hmm. <laughs> and yeah. it's raining or it's cloudy or it's bright, you know? And it's basically the opposite of what you ha- – what you need? How can you then deliver an A plus image in C minus conditions? Mm-hmm. And that's what I really always reaffirm with the people that hire me, or the people who I'm hoping will hire me, is that you're getting what you pay for in a professional with with someone like myself, because I'm going to get you an A plus image regardless of what we're dealing with um, at the time. And mm-hmm. and I think that makes a massive difference and that also touches on that your statement about you know influencers and in social media and this that and the other and it's it's pretty easy it's easy to fake it you know these days um yeah. because when we're on our own schedule and choosing our locations and doing all these things it's pretty easy to churn out one decent image in you know a 5 to 7 day stretch but what about when you got 2 days to shoot an entire catalog right. and yeah. conditions go to crap so
0: yeah, yeah. When you're on a commercial shoot, uh, a client has hired you to show off their brand. What is your goal? What, is you, what are you trying to accomplish um, with that brand?
1: My goal would be to represent them in a beautiful and emotive light. Um, but if I could expound on that a little bit. My goal was first and foremost to understand what type of message they're trying to share with their audience, with their end viewer, with their consumer, and then present it in a visually engaging way. Mm-hmm. You know, if I were to think about one image, and I talk about this a lot, um, but if I were to think about the one image where I was able to do that for a company, it was a number of years ago for a company called Lifestraw, and they make, I don't know if you're familiar with them, but they make water filters. Um, and water bottles, and essentially, you know, when they first started this, when they first brought this product to market, it was very unique um, and still is to a large extent. But essentially, it's a water filter that you can, it's a big, oversized straw that you can just suck water right out of a river or stream mm-hmm. with, you know, and it filters it for you. So it's very lightweight and it's great for backcountry users and backpackers, et cetera, et cetera. And, you know, the image that really kind of became their hero image and and that earned me a great deal of work after the fact, and they continue to be one of my best clients. It's it's a split-level, half-in, half-out-of-the-water shot of a guy drinking out of a stream with this, with this life straw, right? Mm-hmm. And so naturally, those split-level underwater shots are very engaging. They're cool, you know, because we don't see that perspective very often as viewers. But then to boot, it was... I was immediately able to um, illustrate what you could do with their product with one image. And so it was an engaging image, and it was also very illustrative of, of how you could use their product. So, yeah. yeah, that's always my goal is to kind of engage the viewer and with, the, with a message that, you know, like I guess accurately depicts the brand um, in, a, in a creative
0: manner. Yeah. And you mentioned emotive a couple times. Correct. Emotion plays kind of a big role in that. Yeah,
1: absolutely. I mean, I want people to think, whether it makes them happy or sad or angry or fired up or apprehensive or nostalgic, whatever it might be, you know, if if, if it's not um, getting a reaction out of people in some way, shape, or form, then in my opinion as a photographer, I've failed, right? Because it just – it won't hold their attention. You know, we – naturally gravitate towards the imagery that pulls something out of us Mm -hmm. and i think that's also evidenced in in you know in how we license or sell imagery it's very rare go to an arts festival and look at the people that are selling prints um big landscape prints they're not selling just beautiful images to people if you were to interview any photographer i guarantee you'd get this answer they're selling beautiful work to people that have been there Mm -hmm. or have had that on their bucket list forever mm-hmm. or own a second home in that location or had a life-changing experience on that trail or at that overlook or what it might be. So, you know, getting that emotive element, that emotional connection is is crucial in
0: my opinion to creating successful imagery. Well, um, we're about to wrap up here, but let me, let me ask you two questions. One, um, is there any process or technique Or um, technical knowledge specifically that you would recommend any photographer, commercial, portrait, landscape—you know, uh, whatever—should know.
1: Yeah, I think I think you know, and I hope this isn't too general, but it would be understand your equipment, like understand your camera, understand the basic functions of um, your your equipment that you're working with on a daily basis, Um, and. The reason i say that is because in the heat of the moment like the difference between a five star image and a throwaway is could be fractions of a second right and if we're looking at our camera and figuring out trying to figure out how to adjust the aperture or how to adjust your um, shutter speed or which button do i press for depth of field preview and how do i get in live view and how do i do this in live view and blah 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 you know Mm -hmm. then you've missed the shot right? right so it literally should be an intuitive second thought process of, you know, and I've been shooting Canon pro- since, since forever, right? And it's arguable whether they're still owning the industry like they used to. Um, I do think they still make a fantastic product. But the bottom line is, is my fingers function like completely separate of my brain. I mm-hmm. don't even have to think about which way my thumb is going or which way my index finger is going to adjust the settings on my camera. They just work like mm-hmm. that now because it's been so many years. And the most and the reason that I say that's so important is because then it frees me up to... Put my creative vision in process, and to think about the things that really separate my work from the guy that's standing right next to me that might be shooting the exact same image. Mm-hmm. And if I'm too busy fumbling with settings and buttons and this, that, and the other, then then I'm going to be stressed or too busy to to then put my individual
0: stamp on that on, on my on my work. If yeah. that makes sense. And finally, what is one piece of gear or equipment that you personally cannot live without for photography? Oh, man, that's a tough question. It's like asking me to choose my my favorite
1: kid, which <laughs> I could probably do on any given day, actually. <laughs> sure. But, um, you know, if I were to think about it, I'd say probably my graduated neutral density filters, grad ND filters. It's If you're not familiar with them, then Google them. Um, it's an old film, you know, kind of technique where you're balancing the light that's coming into the camera. It allows us to shoot sunsets and sunrises accurately um and basically anytime you've got a huge disparity from highlights to shadows it it, in in a sentence it allows you to capture the image as your eyes see it and i know so many of those that are listening have probably shot in locations or at times of day where they're like, I just can't get this to look like the way that that I'm seeing it. And that's because our cameras cannot see the range of light that our eyes can see. So mm-hmm. this is essentially a rectangular piece of high-res or high-grade resin or plastic or, you know, they used to make them in glass. I don't think they do glass anymore, but they might. Um, and they come in a number of different gradients and a number of diff- different, transitions. But over the years, they, I mean, if I'm, if I go out without my grad filters, I feel like I just walked out of my house with no pants on. <laughs> like that's how crucial they are to, yeah. to do what I do. And, and so, yeah, it'd have to be that piece of, piece of equipment for
0: sure. Well, great. Well, Adam, thank you so much for joining thank us. Thank you, Jake. appreciate Really appreciate having you here. Uh, and thank you so much for listening and we will talk to you next time. Right on.